the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Innovators Network. Welcome to the Heart of Innovation. 60 minutes that can save life and limb with new breakthrough ideas and innovation changing the healthcare landscape. Brought to you by patient advocacy group, thewaytomyheart.org, in partnership with Cardiovascular System Incorporated's patient advocacy campaign, Take a Stand Against Amputation. Here are your hosts for the Heart of Innovation, Emmy Award-winning journalist and founder of The Way to My Heart, Kim McNicholas, and interventional cardiologist and founder of the Save My Piggies Health Education Series, Dr. John Phillips. Everyone, welcome to the show. I'm with Dr. John Phillips. Kim, hey, how are you? Oh, Morning. fantastic. Remember, everyone, as we get into the discussion, call in if you're listening live. Join the discussion. Write this number down, 1-888-367-5329, 888-367-5329. How's it going, Dr. Phillips, all the way across in Ohio? <laughs> I'm waving to you from California. Yes, indeed. Uh, we had a great week here in Columbus. A lot of a uh, lot of folks that needed uh, some work, some plumbing work, um, and uh, yeah, no, I'm really excited for our our second show. We've got, I think, a lot of great educational pieces, and we're going to hear from some patients and practitioners. So this is going to be a good one. I'm I'm super stoked. Me too. And we had an exciting week as well. A little jet lagged. I was in Florida for a couple of days on a project, but uh, exciting news that. Our nurse practitioner, whom everyone's going to hear from later, actually became a godmother for one of our patients in the Philippines. She ended up helping him to save his leg from amputation. He was on deck. She helped him with wound care and everything else, got him walking, got him to quit smoking. And he rewarded her with being a godmother to his newborn because he can now Walker and he could not before. So it's an exciting week. <laughs> Just goes to show the reach that you can have with social media and the internet and things for the way to my heart and this show and save my piggies and all that good stuff. So very exciting news. Yeah, well, you know, today it just leads into what we're going to talk about. We're talking about the silent epidemic that is needlessly costing life and limb around the world. You know, over the last seven years, I've traveled the world as a journalist watching hundreds of doctors and thousands of procedures in which doctors unblocked arteries in the heart and in the legs. Everyone knows of the condition cardiovascular disease, also known as heart disease, which is plaque buildup in the heart arteries. Well, in the legs, plaque buildup in those arteries is known as peripheral artery disease. You'll also hear us referring to it as PAD or PAD. And PAD can also impact the arms and sometimes those small arteries in the brain. But mainly in the legs, three in five heart attack sufferers have it. Most don't even know it until it reaches advanced stages and heart attack strokes and amputations are imminent. You know, Dr. Phillips, how prevalent is PAD? 
Yeah, so it's estimated that about 220 million people around the world have PAD or are living with it. Uh, And probably in Europe, North America, there's about 30 million individuals. Part of the problem is half of the folks that actually have peripheral arterial disease as um, kind of documented by an abnormal, what we call a ankle brachial index, where we put some blood pressure cuffs on the arm and leg and, and, and get a ratio. Uh, they don't even know that they have it. So they're asymptomatic. And uh, as the population ages, potentially 20% of people over 80 have peripheral arterial disease. And what's even scarier, in my opinion, folks 40 years and older have, a, a, you know, they think about maybe 5% of patients have, have PAD, uh, almost, you know, 6 million people. So it's definitely a disease process that we're learning more about and it's and we're raising awareness for it with shows like this. So it's prevalent um, and it's out there and there are a lot of risk factors uh, for PAD as well. And I know you mentioned that people can be asymptomatic, but I think that also you may not even realize that you have something going on. Maybe your legs feel fatigued, but it's really about having that leg pain when it starts to get into advanced stages, that leg pain, the leg cramps, mainly mm-hmm. in the calf, but you can also feel it in the foot or in the buttocks or in the thigh as well. Yeah, the term is claudication. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually derived from the Latin t- term um, like claudicator, uh, and that just means to limp. So folks that- And you do uh, end up limping. There's a yes. lot of pain that goes along with it. Indeed, yeah. And so when we see them in the office for leg pain, it's really important to kind of tease out where that pain is coming from because a lot of patients can have musculoskeletal issues, back pain, et cetera, nerve issues, but a lot, it, it goes, PAD goes undiagnosed. I've taken care of many patients who have had multiple back surgeries for what turns out to be a blocked artery that is pretty easily fixed and, and really changes their, their, their life. Uh, and, and, Adds to adds to their quality of life, and it's so not it's, that they don't have the spinal issues or the sciatica or the like, but the pain may not be stemming from just that. And it's always important to go and ask the doctor, say, "Hey, can we at least check my arteries as well, just to rule that out?" It takes two seconds, two fingers, to for a doctor in a regular session to just feel the leg pulses. Exactly. And so you really have to be, you, you, when you see a patient, you look for, all right, so what are some of the risk factors for peripheral arterial disease? And that includes smoking and diabetes, uh, prior coronary artery disease. And interestingly enough, and I think we've touched on this in the first episode, socioeconomic status. So yes. people that come from middle to low income um, environments are more likely to have it. And so you have to ask the right questions as a patient and then ask, ask the physician to do, I mean, most of us try to do a thorough exam, but our time is limited sometimes when we're seeing the patient. So really doing a good vascular exam can, can change a patient uh, with respect to their diagnosis. You know, it's no wonder with that short of time that we did a survey of more than 400 patients with peripheral artery disease and more than 70% said when they first complained of textbook symptoms, you know, whether it's leg pain, leg cramps, neuropathy, leg temperature being off, slow hair growth, non-healing wound, even on the foot, that 70% said that they were diagnosed with something else first. The top answers include diabetic neuropathy or it's diabetic foot, or it's just your diabetes, control your diet, take your glucose meds, ah, you'll be fine. 
My other favorite is old age. That's a big one. I hear this all the time. You see people walking with walkers or wheelchairs as they age, and the doctor just says, "Mm, it's old age, it's arthritis, or fibromyalgia, spinal problems, sciatica, as you mentioned. And again, the thing is, it just takes two seconds, two fingers to actually feel the pulses, um, even, you know if it's remotely possible, pad. Now, coming up, we're going to talk about, again, those tests that you should ask for if you suspect you have pad. And also, why are people starting to wake up and pay attention to peripheral artery disease? Find out. Stay with us. Thank you. My name is Dr. David Alper, and I'm here once again with the Weight of My Heart's footnotes. And today we're going to talk about sugar. Why are we talking about sugar? Well, because most people know that high blood sugar is a source of complications with diabetes. But it's important for you to understand exactly why. Because the truth is, this is a mechanical complication that causes irritation. And it's known that diabetes is an inflammatory disease, which is a reaction to this irritation. If you take some sugar and you rub it between your fingers, it's rough, just like sand. And it's the same thing when this travels in our blood through the blood vessels that carry the blood throughout our bodies. We all know that arteries and veins are the tubes that carry blood throughout our systems. But what you may not know are these tubes are not like pipes in your house, but they're living tissue and they can be irritated and thereby have inflammation occur. As the sugar travels with the blood, it literally scores the sides of these blood vessels, causing damage. When you have a piece of pizza, of course, you take a bite in your mouth and the inside of your mouth is soft tissue and you're fine. But if that pizza is too hot, you can actually burn the inside of your mouth, causing a breakdown of that tissue. It's the same thing when the sugar goes through these tubes with your blood. How does this cause problems? Well, in your eyes, the blood vessels are so tiny that causing any irritation there causes the blood vessels to shut down and can affect your sight. In your kidneys, it can affect these same blood vessels and stop the kidneys from doing the filtration that they should be doing. Diabetic neuropathy or a loss of sensation in your feet is when the blood vessels shut down and the nerves literally die because they're not getting the nutrition they need. And of course, in your feet, What are you having? But again, poor circulation due to inflammation of these blood vessels with the result that the infections are going to be increased and the breakdown of tissue will as well. All of this speaks to the fact that you must keep your blood sugars regulated and the taking in of sugar, whether you take a teaspoon of sugar or a candy bar or even something like ketchup that has high sugar content is just sending that sugar into your bloodstream and could potentially leading to this inflammation. My name is Dr. David Alper. For further information, please reach out to the American Diabetes Association at diabetes.org or of course, waytomyheart.org. Welcome back to the Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. 
Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We just spent a little bit of time talking about the prevalence of peripheral arterial disease. Uh, we're looking for engagement from our patients and physicians and, and other providers. So it's a live call-in show. Our number is 888-367-5329. And in fact, we have a caller, Douglas from Texas on the line. Douglas, can you hear us? What's your question, my friend? Uh, the we understand the importance of walking as part of our responsibility. Is there a specific like guideline where you walk a hundred steps, you start creating those collaterals? Is it a thousand? Is it ten thousand? Is is you know most people? Some people can't walk to the end of the couch, but we understand right. the importance of still walking to the end of the couch. Wow, a well-informed patient here. I love it. You know, walking is the best medicine when it comes to PAD. It's just like, you know, when you're working out and you're doing bicep curls and your trainer says, and you start to slow down, you're like, oh, it's so painful. I can't do one more. And your trainer says, oh, do four, five more. Push it, push it, push it. It's in those moments when you're pushing through that pain that your body responds to meet the demand with more blood flow by you have this collateral network of vessels that ends up expanding to reroute flow and increase the flow to other areas that need it that might not be getting it because of blocked arteries, you know, in your legs. Dr. Phillips? Yeah, Yeah, I would just kind of dovetail on that. So the what we call the ischemic symptoms, meaning the pain that you get or that claudication results from an imbalance between the supply and then the demand for blood flow. So if you have a blockage, oftentimes at rest, the blood flow demand, um, you know, isn't that great. But when you exercise, the demand is, is, is needed. There's higher demand and you can't get it because you have that blockage. So the more you walk and it can take many, many months to kind of get up to longer distances. But what I encourage my patients to do is, is keep an eye on, all right, on Monday, I walked three minutes and I had discomfort. I stopped, you know, I rested for a little bit and kind of kept walking again. Tuesday, I was able to walk four minutes, et cetera. So you can kind of build on how much your walking is increased over a certain period of time. And I think that adds confidence to the patient. And, and I think it allows them to be engaged. And it also helps, um, you know, again, reduce the risk of more complications because you're building up those those collaterals. Yeah, and, and I hear that it in about six weeks, it takes about six weeks to really start getting that collateral network to really kick in to the point where you actually feel it. And if you're not feeling it at that point, that's when you need to go back to the doctor and say, hey, what are the next steps? You know, there are a lot of different treatments, but you don't want to wait till you're a toe step away from amputation um, before you. And, and that is a risk, you know, for many patients. If you move to a point where you move into critical limb ischemia, that's the advanced stage. That's when you really have no flow. The collateral network's not really working for you. And, and you need the doctor to go in and do a little roto rooting, do a little plumbing in there to clear up some of that plaque. You know, that's really key. Exactly. So, I mean, when we treat patients for peripheral arterial disease, we bucket them basically. Okay, the claudicans, so those that have discomfort when they walk versus those that have pain at rest due to our blockages in the arteries and, and really that, that supply is not, not there, or they've developed ulcers. And patients that have pain at rest and they're developed ulcers, they've developed ulcers, they have no blockages, those folks need procedures, whether it's interventions that I do with balloons and stents or a surgical bypass, you have to improve their blood flow or they will potentially have a catastrophic event that could lead to a major amputation. 
But I will draw the line. I mean, some doctors just say walk, 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 walk. And, you know, until you can't walk anymore. And then if you end up with a non-healing ulcer, well, then we'll decide we're going to do something more for you. And we have Heologics, Tammy Caves, on the line with us right now. Tammy, what's wrong with that picture? Well, you know, we see it far too often uh, in our clinic. We get patients who um, have either developed a, a wound. Um, and a lot of times, um, you know, up to 50% of patients with diabetes um, can have peripheral artery disease and not know it and they may not have the pain that your patients without the diabetes have because they have that neuropathy that prevents them from knowing having that pain response um, and so we see it all the time patients come in and they are ha- they haven't had a full workup um, to see what's causing their issues or they may not even know that they have an issue until they they're walking around their house and somebody's like is that blood on the floor trailing behind you um and then they look at their feet and and come in and we one of the very first things we do for all our patients with wounds on their their feet and lower extremities is do that ankle brachial index that um doctor was talking about um to make sure that there's not a blood flow issue because it is so such a prevalent problem um in our wounded patients uh, population. Why is blood flow so critical to wound healing? So if there's no, the blood carries all the nutrients and the oxygen and things that the body needs to survive. And so without the blood flow to those wounded areas, you end up with necrosis and um, eventually left untreated, you're going to have an amputation. And so it's really important. I'm sure that you send your 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 patients before you even start um, doing any sharp debridement or anything right. to those wounds. You say, "Hey, go see a vascular specialist now, quick, to get that blood flow restored." Absolutely, absolutely. And um, that is is one of the things that we do. Like I said, on a daily basis, when we see new patients, we check for that blood flow. We do. Uh, of pulses because I mean I know you said that it only takes a couple of seconds to to feel for pulses but um, sometimes um, that can fool you I as as a nurse um, I've been in situations where I'm like I can't find the pulse but then I grab a Doppler and I can hear it and but that even makes you question how good is that blood flow down there to that foot Um, and do we need additional testing and most of the time the answer is yes we do need additional testing we send them for segmental pressures or the arterial um, dopplers. Um, angiograms usually follow. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Tammy Caves with Heal Logics. We'll be right back with more discussion about peripheral artery disease in a moment. Medical Notepad, brought to you by patient advocacy organizations, Take a Stand Against Amputation, and The Way to My Heart. Here is Dr. Anahita Dua, vascular surgeon with Mass General Hospital in Boston, Massachusetts. What is peripheral artery disease? Peripheral artery disease, I'm going to start off by saying is a misnomer, right? It's it's kind of this label that we stuck on a very wide variety of disease processes and just said, oh, Peripheral means leg or arm, 
artery means artery and disease means disease. I mean, if you think about it that way, it's like a billion things. If you get shot in the groin, technically, you have peripheral artery disease. But what it is, is you have a situation where you don't have enough of a pathway for blood to get from your heart to your toes. Really, the way to think about it is in categories. So peripheral artery disease really is in two giant buckets. Bucket number one is intermittent claudication, which is just a fancy way of saying you walk, you have pain in your legs, you stop, that pain goes away, and you start walking again. So in the intermittent claudication phase, when you have a situation where you do not have wounds and you do not have what's called rest pain, where you're just sitting there in your chair, but your leg hurts a lot. So you're not in that category. That's bucket number two. That's critical limb ischemia. We're just talking about purely here. It hurts when you walk, whether it's five steps or a hundred steps. It hurts when you walk. That's the intermittent claudicant. That patient can really, really turn their life around by walking. With medical notepad, that was Anahita Duwa, vascular surgeon with Mass General Hospital in Boston, Massachusetts. Medical Notepad is a series for educational and informational purposes only. Advice offered is not a substitute for medical advice from your own supervising physician. Do not act on any information provided in this series without the explicit consent from your own healthcare team. For more information on peripheral artery disease, go to stand againstamputation.com For peripheral artery disease support, go to thewaytomyheart.org Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org That's theheartofinnovation.org Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. We're talking the show about peripheral artery disease, plaque buildup in mainly the leg arteries. And when you have restricted flow in the leg arteries, that can lead to some non-healing ulcers on your feet. We have with us Tammy Caves with Heal Logics. Very timely to be talking about this, right, Tammy? Absolutely. Um, this, this month is Wound Care Awareness Month, and uh, this is our ninth annual um, Awareness Month that uh, we use this opportunity to educate patients, caregivers, and physicians about chronic wounds and the types of things like PAD that um, contribute to those things. Thank you so much, Tammy, with Heal Logics. You know, Dr. Phillips, it's really important uh, for diabetics, especially to have their feet checked regularly because they don't always feel that they have a wound there. Uh, you can't always see it. No one, you know, they, they don't sit in there and check their feet every day, but they should. Yeah, exactly. I mean, again, we just kind of spent some time talking about 220 million people across the world having peripheral arterial disease. And then that section or that segment of those that are at risk for developing critical limb ischemia, meaning, you know, these ulcers or or pain at rest. It's our diabetics. It's those that smoke. It's those with prior coronary artery disease. And so particularly the diabetics who may have some neuropathy, not feel their toes as well as they, uh, you know, could in the past are at risk for an ulcer. They need to have their feet checked on a regular basis by a trained foot physician, a podiatrist. And I also would take it a step further. I've seen a lot of patients who trim their own toenails, cut them a little too short, get an ulcer, and that leads to significant, you know, a small amputation, which can lead to a larger amputation. So I do recommend that patients with diabetes go to a podiatrist, have their feet checked, and also have their toenails clipped by the podiatrist. And it's really important also, we, we had talked about the importance of blood flow and healing those wounds. And so people who have 
the, these restricted arteries, they need to find a vascular specialist. And there are quite a few doctors that treat peripheral artery disease and every single one of them will tell you they treat it, but you have to go even deeper to see who has the most volume, who has the most advanced skills. But automatically, many people are referred to a vascular surgeon because of a vascular problem. But also someone like Dr. John Phillips here, he's an interventional cardiologist. So he not only treats the heart, but he has chosen to also treat the arteries in the legs. There are also interventional radiologists who also treat PAD. And so when you are getting your referral and they say, hey, you need a vascular specialist, you can actually say, hey, I want a referral to a few different types of doctors so I can weigh all of my options. Because actually, when it comes to PAD, some are going to say, medical treatment is the only thing I'll offer you. Walk, walk, walk till you can't walk anymore, and then we'll bypass or amputate. Um, Others will go in and do what Tammy mentioned earlier, which is an angiogram, which is kind of like what they do in the heart, which is a little roto rooting. You send in, you know, through a small puncture into the leg wires and catheters and balloons and, you know, maybe even a stent might be placed. Yeah, I mean, like you had touched on our community of physicians that treat peripheral arterial disease and the worst subset of it, critical limb ischemia is, is very large. We have surgeons, we have, like you mentioned, radiologists, cardiologists, and everyone has a little bit different skill set and a little bit different niche that they focus on. There are those of us, my practice is one of them. I spend a lot of time with patients with critical limb ischemia. And it's important that the patient who has this diagnosis is able to so first of all when you go to that initial visit bring a family member so they can kind of help ask those questions for you Mm -hmm. but you also have to be aware of your disease which is why we're doing shows like this and why you have the weight of my heart and why we have saved my piggies but you also have to understand who you're seeing and what their skill set is and uh, hey a second opinion is always in my book, I, I make recommendations. If someone wants to see somebody else for a second opinion, I have no problems with that. And if you see a physician that has a problem with you getting a second opinion, you might not want to you know, be a healthcare partner with that person because you as the physician, as the patient need to be the quarterback for your healthcare. Right. That is absolutely important. And I love that you said always get a second opinion before any procedure because different doctors, different tools, different techniques equals different outcomes. You may prefer having a bypass. You may prefer having a minimally invasive option. It's uh, it's really up to you and the options are available. But the only thing that we really want you to make sure of when you go and find a vascular specialist, make sure that if push comes to shove, that they know how to revascularize or restore blood flow clear into those small vessels in the foot. That equals an advanced skill set. And that is very important. We have Dr. Yazan Katim, who's calling in from First Coast Cardiovascular Institute in Florida. Hi, doctor. Thanks for calling in. Oh, hi, Kim and Dr. Phillips. Uh, it's a privilege, and uh, thank you for, ha- for, for taking my call. Yes. Hi, welcome. What sort of insight or story do you have to share? Well, I mean, first of all, I've been listening, and wonderful insight from Dr. Phillips. Uh, I agree 100% with everything that was said, also from Dr. Dua earlier. Uh, I would just say doctors, you know, are like everyone else. Uh, 90% of us are uh, well-meaning, trying to do the best we can. Unfortunately, 
like every other specialty, every other career, we also have some of us who um, might become a little bit more uh, egocentric. And uh, and it, it is for that reason I agree with Dr. Phillips on second opinions. Uh, the one thing I, I felt that was not mentioned, I only joined like five minutes late into the uh, program, was, and maybe it was mentioned early on, many of those patients have very advanced cardiac disease. In fact, the majority of the mortality, which is very high, and the majority of it is reversible, is cardiac uh, and stroke-related. So it's, it's very critically important that if you go to a good vascular surgeon that does take care of the leg vessels, that you also have a cardiologist making sure that you are not one of those people who is at high risk uh, for a bad cardiac event in the pursuing 12 months. That's a great point. Um, and because, as you mentioned, about 40% of people have concomitant PAD and coronary disease. And, uh, you know, honestly, I think it's 15% or so have both cerebrovascular, coronary, and peripheral arterial disease. You're not dying from a blockage in, in the leg artery. You're dying from a heart attack or a stroke. And so you're right. We definitely need to be more conscious of what's going to kill that patient and or the appropriate testing for them. And I did mention this. Sir, three in five people who suffer a heart attack have peripheral artery disease. It's, it's very prevalent. And if you only take those two seconds, two fingers to feel those leg pulses, life and limb could be saved. Dr. Khatib, we only have about 30 seconds left. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Uh, I mean, just know your surgeon, know your cardiologist. Uh, if it's somebody who has a high amputation rate, just go for a second opinion. If it's somebody who has a good reputation for good outcomes, then proceed. I, I love everything Dr. Phillips said. I don't think I can add more than 30 seconds, but uh, <laughs> I think uh, one thing I would just add quickly is because of the fact that those patients are limited in how much activity they can do, the cardiac symptoms are frequently masked until a bad event happens. That's why it's, it puts even more of an onus on the doctors taking care of that patient to test that patient for a high-risk profile. Because Thank you so much, Dr. Khatib. We really appreciate your time, and we'll be back in just a moment. my symptoms started with leg pain and leg cramps while walking. Me too, with a tightness in my calves. Well, do you know, my doctor thought that my leg cramps were a side effect of the statin he prescribed me. Well, my doctor just brushed them off as another symptom of old age. Mine thought the pain was radiating from my spine. My doctor blamed my neuropathy on diabetes until I got a wound on my foot that just wouldn't heal. Yeah, it turns out we all have peripheral artery disease, also known as PAD. It's plaque buildup mainly in the leg arteries causing poor circulation. For me, the diagnosis came too late and I lost my leg, but that does not have to happen to you. No, it does not because there are treatment options available if you're diagnosed early enough. PAD peripheral artery disease. If you've been experiencing leg pain, leg cramps, or neuropathy when walking, and your doctor isn't hearing you, 
we are. We are the way to my heart, the largest support network for peripheral artery disease patients. And we want to help you get back on your feet again. Visit our website at thewaytomyheart.org or call our Lifesaver hotline, 415-320-7138. Your life and limb could depend on it. Welcome back to the Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Welcome back, everybody. I think we've had a great show thus far. This next segment is truly near and dear to my heart. This is our Save My Piggies segment. And today, our first guest is Kay. Kay is joining us from Scotland. Kay kind of straddles the the uh, bar, so to speak, because she is also a nurse practitioner for over 40 years of experience, but she also has peripheral arterial disease. So, Kay, please share your story with us. Welcome. Thank you. And you'd think I'd know better. Um, but... <laughs> When I first started with my symptoms, I was told it was my back. I was prescribed a wheelchair um, and told that they wouldn't operate because I was too high a risk because I do have an autoimmune condition, lupus, SLE. Um, and they left me in a wheelchair for three years. And then all of a sudden my toes went blue. And when my toes went blue, um, they sent me to a vascular surgeon um, I seen the vascular surgeon. He said it was my iliacs after some scans and ultrasound, etc. They took me down to theatre. Um, and when I was on the table, they discovered that indeed it was my iliacs. But unfortunately, it was also my aorta. And this particular vascular surgeon was not allowed to operate on aortas. And because of my other comorbidities he basically marked me as palliative sent for my husband and told my husband to take me home right your iliac arteries your aorta they actually had restricted blood flow due to plaque buildup correct yes 100 i was about 85 and one um aorta i mean they never even put a wire through it nothing and they just marked me as palliative and told my husband to take me home. So they pumped in the contrast fluid, which they do for better imaging to allow the doctors to see the arteries in, in um, clearer form. And they never even bothered to test to see that what they saw was something that they could maybe take a little time, chisel a little bit and poke through. No, absolutely not. I was woken up, brought round. I thought I had my stents and I thought I was all sorted. And then I was told that my husband was on his way. He didn't understand why. Um, And then the doctor came to the bedside and he basically told myself and my husband that there was nothing more that they could do. So, Um, can I just ask you a question here? At that point, when you hear that news, you, I think, can either say, all right, you kind of crawl into the cave and all right, I guess I am palliative or you take up the charge on your own. Obviously you took up the charge on your own. Share a little bit of that thought process with us, if you don't mind. No problem. I mean, the first two or three days I went into that cave and I curled up and I cried and I thought this cannot be the, you know, it just can't be my time. Um, And then I crawled out the cave and I started to think I need help. I need to find an answer. And I went online and I found the way to my heart. 
And I sat quietly and I watched a lot of the posts and I watched a lot of what the doctors online in the way to my heart were saying. And I suddenly thought, this isn't the end. I need to fight this. Um, And mentally, um, the way to my heart supported me. Um, They got me out of that black cave. And then they got me ready to start fighting. And I did start to fight again. And the first thing that I had to do was to get out of that wheelchair um, and start to walk. Um, My target for the first week, uh, the first day was going to be 100 steps. Within a month, I was doing two to 3,000 steps. Yeah, she joined one of the walking challenges with Through the Way to My Heart. And also- That is awesome. Virtual reality to help (laughs) her walk even more. Yeah, I um, use virtual reality for chronic pain for the back and for the lupus. So I used the virtual reality and started to walk around the living room um, and go through adventures and um, et cetera on virtual reality. And it got my steps higher and higher and higher. Kate, is um, it, can I ask another question? Is it fair to say, and I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but if you, so did you just Google PAD and help, or you obviously got your, you got to the weight of my heart if it wasn't for the weight of my heart and what that um, you know website and, and that and that social network has, would would you have just stayed in the cave and stayed in the wheelchair? You think? To be honest with you, I think I probably would. I mean, my ABI was point two one on the left and point two nine two eight on the right. That's really so low. Immediately, yeah, just, just, so, just for our listeners know that a normal ABI is one, so anything less than point four is, is severe disease. Yeah. So I was already, I was in critical ischemia by the time they found it. Um, And I would have crawled into that cave if it wasn't for the advice and the support that I was given, not just by Kim and some of the doctors that said, no, you have to fight this, um, but also from the fellow warriors on that site who basically said, no, you're worth more than this. You need to keep fighting, etc. And they gave me the impetus to start fighting. So I actually paid for a CT scan. And I presented the CT scan to a specialist and asked this specialist, who I discovered was the only specialist in Scotland, if he would consider my case. And after about four or five different video consultations, because we were in the middle of COVID, he agreed that he would do, he would take the risk. And this is really important. He had the same title as every other doctor. He was a vascular surgeon, yes. They all say that they are PAD specialists, but... Okay, what was that special criteria that you used to determine that he was different? Um, I learned through the way to my heart which questions to ask. And I asked, you know, um, will you make an attempt to stent rather? Because I was told my chance of a bypass surviving, it was 20%. So it had to be an endovascular procedure. So I started to ask his endovascular skills and what he would do in circumstances, etc. And... I was really happy with the answers that I received. Um, and we decided to proceed. Unfortunately, he broke his wrist and I had to wait an extra six weeks. Um, God bless him. But after 19 months and exactly 11 days, um, with the weight of my heart by my side, till I ha- they took my phone off me um, and put me to sleep because um, I had to have a general anaesthetic. Um, four hours on the table later, he had managed to go in. He had placed a stent um, in my right 
side. Um, he'd managed to cross over with a catheter, go down the left side and open it that way. And he placed a stent in the left side and he placed a stent in my aorta. And he told me that I had a small track of collaterals going right across my pelvis from my right leg and that was feeding my left leg and that was the only thing that kept my left leg alive okay they and that got was you, because they, you walked yep yeah. and they and they got you fixed up kate what 100%. do you say, what what do you say to uh, someone who's listening right now who has crawled into that cave and feels like there's nothing that that can be done for them motivate them for us 100 percent peek out of that cave look for the light Go onto the internet, find the way to my heart, find Save My Piggies. Don't give up. Don't ever give up because everybody deserves a better quality of life. And when a doctor, one doctor says, no, you're not going to make it. That's not that's got not good enough. Go for the second opinion. Go for the third. But never stop fighting because less than four weeks after my operation, I danced with my husband for the first time in five years. And I did 9,000 steps that day. Wow, that's that's incredible. And now what's really amazing is, what was the surprise thing that I finally learned about you, Kay? After we went through it all, I did actually say that I was a nurse practitioner in wound care and that I had a background in cardio, cardiovascular surgery and working in the theatres. And now she has helped thousands of patients through the weight of my heart um, prevent their own amputations as well. Really incredible story. Any final thoughts? The only thing I would say is 100% I'm paying it forward. And I will always pay it forward with the weight to my heart because they saved my life. Thank you so much, nurse practitioner Kay Smith. 19 months in critical ischemia, the pain she must have been in, but she persevered. Um, really, really good job, Kay. We, we appreciate you so much. Thank you. We'll be, we'll be back in just a moment. Leg health can indicate risk for heart attack, stroke, and amputation. If you have leg pain or cramps while walking, get checked for peripheral artery disease, or PAD. PAD is plaque buildup in mainly the leg arteries. Be sure to ask your physician for an ankle brachial index, also called an ABI test, where they use blood pressure cuffs to analyze the blood pressure in your legs. If they discover you have arterial plaque that's limiting blood flow to your feet, medicine and a regimented walking program are frontline treatment. If PAD is in its advanced stages, your physician may schedule a surgical intervention. Minimally invasive tools are available to remove plaque and restore blood flow, including cardiovascular system's Diamondback 360 atherectomy system, which sands away plaque that is a hard calcium. It's important to discuss all options with your physician, and if told you have no options, get a second opinion. Take a stand against amputation. For more information, go to standagainstamputation.com. That's standagainstamputation.com. Welcome back to The Heart of Innovation. For more on today's topic, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. Once again, here's Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Welcome back to the show. This show has been all about one of the most debilitating diseases most have never heard of, yet impacts one in five people over the age of 60, one in three diabetics over the age of 50, and 
we're seeing more and more patients actually even in their 40s uh, end up with this disease, which is restricted blood flow in mainly the leg arteries due to plaque buildup. And, you know, we just heard nurse practitioner Kay's story um, spending 19 months in the most advanced stage critical limb ischemia. The pain, Dr. Phillips, is real. And I know that there are two different types of pad in the way that many doctors think about it. The early stage, which is intermittent claudication, meaning that you walk, you end up with a cramp in your leg, you stop, you find relief within a few minutes, and then you continue walking again versus critical limb ischemia, which is the most advanced stage where you start to feel pain that wakes you up at night, or you end up with a non-healing ulcer due to that restricted blood flow, not supplying critical nutrients, including oxygen um, to all of the tissue down in the toes. Exactly. Those that have that claudication are not going to they're not going to, you know, die from that. And very few, I mean, it's probably 10-ish percent progress to critical limb ischemia. So that's a good thing. However, those that are at increased risk for PAD are the diabetics, the smokers, uh, people with re- kidney problems. In well, my that's opinion, a good they, point we didn't talk about is the we kidney. Didn't, right. They they progress much quicker. And those are the folks that are are, are the, the, um, the, the most fragile population. They need to be aware of their disease process like we talked about. See a foot doctor, make sure they're checking their toes for, for ulcers, get in their toenails clipped appropriately. And then and then having a, a conversation with whoever you see, because a lot of us treat this disease process that is meaningful. And and I like I've used this analogy before. I'm kind of the coach. The patient needs to be the quarterback of their health care, and they can help direct where we go from a treatment standpoint. And the critical thing is early diagnosis. You have to be proactive and say to your doctor, I have some risk factors. I have diabetes. I'm over the age of 50. I am a former smoker. Um, I might be a little bit overweight. Those are just some of the the risk factors. And if you have them, and if you also have or start to experience some claudication or cramping in your leg, Ask your doctor to feel your leg pulses. Ask for that ankle brachial index test, the ABI. And if you get a normal result on there and you still have pain, say, hey, I know that you can get a false normal in advanced stages. Let's do an ultrasound of my arteries as well. Yeah, we can. And we can even do exercise testing, too. Because a lot of patients have leg discomfort and don't have peripheral arterial disease. But to your point, if you have risk factors, and we've touched Mm -hmm. on them, diabetes, hypertension, problems with your cholesterol, prior cardiac issues, the ABI is cheap and it is very useful. It's a very useful tool. And um, again, we, we get tons of them and they're very helpful for us. And it is so important when you choose a doctor, do not fall victim to the referral lottery and just go with the first doctor that comes along. Yes, they might they might refer you to a vascular surgeon or an interventional cardiologist or an interventional radiologist, but you have to make sure different doctors, different treatments, different philosophies equal different outcomes. So always get a second opinion and understand all treatment options available um, to you because your life and limb depend on it. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. For more information, go to theheartofinnovation.org. Next week, we are going to be talking about 
getting a full vascular workup. It is something you are going to be saying to your doctor during every annual appointment. Hey, doctor, let's chat. Find out more next week. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks. And let's keep saving those piggies. You've been listening to The Heart of Innovation with Emmy Award-winning journalist Kim McNicholas and interventional cardiologist Dr. John Phillips. Our mission is to help patients live a better quality of life through comprehensive education, real-time support, and high-touch advocacy in partnership with thewaytomyheart.org and take a stand against amputation. Our purpose is to reduce the 1.5 million heart attacks and strokes and nearly 200,000 amputations annually. For more information regarding topics you've heard discussed on today's program, go to theheartofinnovation.org. That's theheartofinnovation.org. The Heart of Innovation is for educational and informational purposes only, and advice and views shared are not a substitute for medical advice from your own supervising physician. Do not act on any information provided in this show without the explicit consent from your own healthcare team. If you think you are having a medical emergency, call your local emergency number or go to the nearest hospital or emergency room. Leg health can indicate risk for heart attack, stroke, and amputation. If you have leg pain or cramps while walking, get checked for peripheral artery disease, or PAD. PAD is plaque buildup in mainly the leg arteries. Be sure to ask your physician for an ankle brachial index, also called an ABI test, where they use blood pressure cuffs to analyze the blood pressure in your legs. If they discover you have arterial plaque that's limiting blood flow to your feet, medicine and a regimented walking program are frontline treatment. If PAD is in its advanced stages, your physician may schedule a surgical intervention. Minimally invasive tools are available to remove plaque and restore blood flow, including cardiovascular system's Diamondback 360 atherectomy system, which sands away plaque that is a hard calcium. It's important to discuss all options with your physician, and if told you have no options, get a second opinion. Take a stand against amputation. For more information, go to standagainstamputation.com. That's standagainstamputation.com. News, information, reassurance. 860 AM, The Answer. KTRB San Francisco. Streaming now on smart speakers. And the Odyssey app. Service of Salem Media Group. This show is distributed by the Innovators Network. For more information and other great shows and content, visit theinnovators.network. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.